for 30 plus years. I've seen every type of child grow up. Instead of giving me what I wanted, she gave me what I needed, which was truth. Don't let emotions win. Let truth win. Do your very best, and you should have a lot of fun while you do it. And the better you get at something, the more fun you're going to have at something. You moms and dads are wired with everything you need to be a parent to a great kid. Welcome to Parenting Great Kids. This is episode number 148, and I am your host, Dr. Meg Meeker. I'm so excited about our show today because my guest is Julie Revelant, and we are going to be talking about kids and healthy eating. No, that's not an oxymoron. We can get our kids to eat healthy food. And this is a terrific time for this topic because the holidays are upon us. There's going to be a lot of sugar and candy, and that's perfectly fine for kids to eat if they balance it with healthy veggies and fruits and meats. I recently had a mother write to me pretty stressed out about the holidays, which was great because I'm going to be doing a podcast very soon on how to handle difficult holidays with relatives, um, aunts and uncles and so forth. And she said, Dr. Meeker, I dread the holidays because whenever I'm with my mother who lives in the same town, she criticizes me in front of people. She pulls me down. She criticizes my kids and I just don't want to be with her. What do I do? Well, the first thing I think it's important to do is go to your mother ahead of time and say, keep her off the defensive. You know what, mom, I love being with you and I love the holidays, but here's the thing. Whenever I'm around you, I don't know if you realize it or not, but you criticize me a lot and it really pulls me down and it makes me not want to be with you. And watch how she responds. If she's positive and says, you know what, I really do need to work on that, then great. You go ahead and spend the holidays with her. Thanksgiving or Christmas, but you watch her. And if she starts to criticize you, you have to set your boundaries and say, you know what, mom, you're criticizing me now. And I'm sorry, I'm going to have to leave early. If your mother doesn't respond positively and you feel she's going to continue this berating of you and particularly kids, you have to say to her, you know what, mom, we're not going to be able to be with you for the whole day, but we will stop by for an hour and say hello. So that way you can come and you can go when you want. You have to have a pretty tough skin. You have to set those boundaries and you have to watch her with your kids very closely. If a parent berates your kids, out you go. You cannot allow this to happen to your children because it's very, very painful for them. These are the kind of questions, friends, I answer in the PGK community that I just started. I deal with questions about in-laws and holidays and potty training and how to get your baby to sleep and what to do with a tough teenager. So please check out Parenting Great Kids community on my website. Let's go on to our show. My guest is Julie Revelant. Judy's a health journalist, a B2B healthcare content marketing strategist, and copywriter, founder of julierevelant.com, and the host of Food Issues Podcast. She tackles the real challenges around feeding kids and offers practical insight to help organizations, communities, and parents create change. I want you now to listen in on a conversation I had with Julie Revelant. I know you're really going to enjoy it. Well, Julie, thanks so much for joining me on my podcast today. I've been anxious to talk to you. Great. Well, thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. You know, 
you are a nutrition expert. You write about nutrition and kids and health and how to get our little munchkins to eat, which is always a challenge for a lot of parents. And as a pediatrician, you know, I see a lot of food issues in kids. So what are the biggest eating issues that you have heard parents talk about or that you encounter with kids? Yeah, so I don't work directly with children. Um, I'm a journalist, so I research a lot and write on my site, and I have a podcast. Um, but I would say, you know, looking through the research, uh, picky eating yeah. is definitely one of the biggest challenges. So I think if you have a child, you have a picky eater. You know, surveys show um, that a, a good third of us deal with picky eating. Um, and, and so I think that it's definitely a challenge for parents, but I think there's a lot of myths around picky eating. So I think oftentimes parents will say, oh, I have a picky eater. Maybe they'll say it in front of their yeah. child. And then it almost becomes this self-fulfilling yeah. prophecy, yeah. right? We label the kid as a problem child. Um, and so I think there's a lot of ways that we can really get our kids to get on a healthier path. So, so let's talk about the myths of picky eating and why kids are picky eaters what what are we misunderstanding as parents yeah so kids are you know when they start eating solids they actually uh accept all foods for the most part, you know, um, and then around age two, it's normal developmental behavior for them to start rejecting foods. And there's some theories around evolution and, you know, perhaps that it's a mechanism because if they eat uh, vegetables that are bitter, that it's like a protective mechanism. So they reject it. So I think that it's definitely developmental behavior around age two. And even more so, we just need to be more consistent with our kids offering healthy foods. And again, I think that we definitely, many parents will say, oh, my kid's a picky eater, and then they just right. give up. Or I tried offering this food, and they, but it didn't work, so they, don't, they never offer yeah. it again. Um, but the key with kids, with anything, really, with any behavior, is to stay consistent. Well, you know, too, I was saying when you say they reject food, they reject everything. I mean, I'm thinking about it. It's like, no, right. is, the, is the catch word of the day. You know, they just practice that over and over. I think you're right. I think that, you know, when parents, particularly moms, I don't want to, you know, hang it all on moms, but I think eating for us mothers is a very emotionally charged issue. I think that if our kids don't eat well, it's subconscious. This is my theory, but it's my theory. I'll throw it up. If our kids aren't eating well, we feel like we're not parenting well because we feel at least I should be able to give sustenance to this child. So when our child rejects something, it kind of pushes a lot of buttons in us. It's like, wait, wait, wait. And so you really can get into a lot of sort of weird dynamics around kids and eating. So if you have a two-year-old, a parent out there has a two-year-old, and they refuse to eat any vegetables, and they've refused it two or three times, what do you recommend parents do? Just say, okay, you don't like veggies. Here you go, hot dogs and mac and cheese. What, what would you recommend they do? 
No, so I don't recommend that at all. I uh, would say look at your kid's overall diet. So if your kid is filling up on milk and juice and snacks all day, come mealtime, they're not going to be hungry for what you're serving. Um, the other thing is modeling those healthy eating habits. So I often talk about this, but when my kids were toddlers, they're 10 and eight now, but when they were toddlers, I have a big solid wood chopping bowl with a mezzaluna and I'll throw salad and carrots and whatever else in there. And I would sit there and chop it and then I'd eat it for lunch every day. And they would sit there at the table and watch me and they always wanted to try it because they wanted to do what mommy was doing and they were so curious. So studies show that when you have family meals with your kids, the, the benefits are just endless. Um, you're modeling those healthy eating habits. You have healthy food in your house. Your kids are going to be much more likely to, to make healthy choices. And the other thing is, is, is just stay consistent. So it, research shows that it can take between 8 to 15 times of offering a new food for your kid to even try it, let alone wow. accept it. And it could take more than that with some kids, right? So try to find different ways to offer broccoli, you know, as an appetizer um, in a smoothie maybe or roasted or raw with a dip. Just get creative and try many different ways and just stick with it. Just like any other thing in parenting, we just have to keep forging ahead and and have hope and stick with it every day. You know, and develop those habits. I love that because we don't have small kids now, but I have grandkids and I watch them eat. And it is hard because, you know, if the third or fourth time they say, you know, um, I don't like peanut butter or I don't like broccoli or I don't like anything green, it takes a lot of energy to give it to them over and over and over. But you're right. It's really important. You talk about beginning to train kids in healthy eating and I and I love that because I think they have to be trained truth be told we need to be trained in in healthy eating um so how old should a child be when you start to train them in healthy eating well, I think from the beginning, once you start solids, you know, from the very beginning, I, I know it's not realistic for every parent, but offering fresh homemade baby food is one of the best ways to start that real food way. Um, it certainly, you know, there are many brands that are, are much better now, but I, I found when my kids were younger, I would get a pouch and look at it and completely be appalled that it didn't look like spinach or smell like spinach and so I think right from the get-go you have to offer real whole foods and really limit the processed foods you know babies have puff snacks and a lot of processed stuff and if we start offering those early that's what a child's going to think is food um, so definitely start early and then again make it a family affair just like your family goes to church on Sundays or your family takes a bike ride after uh, dinner, you know, make it just a family affair. And that's what your family does. You know, I think you're absolutely right. Um, I'm thinking of my daughters and how they feed their kids. And I'm, I'm really proud of them for how they feed their kids because the kids, the kids eat things I would never eat. You know, these three-year-olds walk around with green <laughs> smoothies in their cups all day. And I took a sip. I'm like, oh, I can't do that. But I mean, you know, I didn't, my kids didn't grow it's up great. on kale because kale, did, God didn't make kale until 2010. I mean, it just wasn't around. 
but but anyway, um, but I I love that because you know if if we develop those healthy habits and we don't allow our kids to start eating even semi junk food, because I think that. You know, if you buy processed foods, they're higher in salt and they're higher in sugar. Well, who doesn't love salt and who doesn't love sugar? So if you give your kids that even for a couple of weeks, they're not going to want to eat plain broccoli. And so I think that's important. Do you encourage parents to read labels with their kids' foods? Oh, yeah, absolutely. So, of course, it could drive you crazy. We don't have a ton of time to be reading labels on everything. And that's why I advocate for sticking to real whole foods because you don't have to. Um, But, yeah, I mean, sugar, like you mentioned, is so sneaky. It can appear in so many different foods, especially yogurt, um, nut butters, sauces, dips, dressings. I mean, it is so sneaky. So, yeah, I, I wouldn't. I would encourage parents to read the label not only for um, things like fat and sugar and sodium, but read the ingredients in the food because you, you'll be shocked at what your kids are eating. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I think you're right. I think it's that old sort of adage, shop the outside of the grocery stores and you'll stay pretty safe, you know, just... Uh, sticking in the veggie section. What about organic? Do you recommend parents give their kids organic foods? Um, I do think it's probably the ideal, but it is a lot more expensive. So I think that if you can get fruits and vegetables in your kids, that's better than having to feel like you have to purchase organic. And then, you know, you can always stick to the clean 15 and avoid the dirty dozen and and balance it that way. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's pretty much what I do, because I do think there is a lot to that as far as ailments that we've seen over the, you know, the past decades and increase in a lot of issues. And I do think a lot of it is, um, you know, chemically related. We have a problem with kids being overweight. And do you hear from many parents about how to help their kids stay at a healthy weight or reduce weight? How do you handle that? So, yeah, I mean, we've always been dealing with a childhood obesity epidemic. And, you know, studies are showing that 19, more than 19% of kids age two to 19 are obese. And, Mm -hmm. but it's not just childhood obesity, right? It's type two diabetes, it's fatty liver disease, which Mm -hmm. we tend not really to hear much about, but these are all on the increase for kids, um, hypertension. So, Yes, there is a lot of focus on obesity in this country, but there's other chronic diseases that are are on the rise. And now with COVID, right, everything has changed. So Mm -hmm. kids were at home. They had disrupted schedules. They're on the couch watching TV. They're snacking all the time because we're working and we can't see what they're doing. Um, They're not at school. And, And studies show that when kids are at school, they are at a healthier weight or they have healthier habits because they're they're getting lunch they're they have recess they're moving around a lot more and, and now with the summer upon us um you know there, there's the summer slide because if kids are not in camp or in some sort of a program they're definitely their weight can creep up um so I think it comes back to again those healthy habits I, I think taking the focus off of the child 
or the weight per se. So you would never want to say to your kid, you're gaining weight, or maybe you shouldn't have that, or do you really want seconds? And, and in full transparency, I have said that to my kids and I could, you know, I, I feel horrible about it. Um, but I think it, again, it comes down to just modeling those healthy habits and creating a positive food environment. So just serving healthy foods, but also making it fun and pleasurable to sit down to a family meal and enjoy food and not see food as the enemy. And then, of course, getting your kids active. You know, so many of us are stuck behind desks all day. But if you can go out for a walk or go out for a bike ride or find different ways to get your kids moving and off the screens, which is so hard but it's so important it is hard and i really do think that i'd love to know what percent of obesity is related to screen time i i don't know that anybody could ever find out but kids are much more sedentary because of screens than they used to be even five or ten years ago because using a screen requires sitting and and kids are you know, sitting so much, and particularly boys and video games, I will tell you, I hate them. I just, I hate them. My listeners mm -hmm. know that because there's so many problems, not just emotionally and mentally, but physically, you know, kids just sit there, plop down, and they move their fingers, but that's about it. Parents, I hope you're enjoying this conversation with Julie Revelant. We need to take a quick break, but police don't go anywhere. We'll be right back with more of my conversation. One of the things that is a problem I have found is that if you have, say, one child in five in a home and they're obese, but nobody else is, I don't recommend, I would love to see your take. I don't, I don't recommend that parents put that child on a diet. I recommend the whole family goes on one because I think, I think it's, it's not fair to single out a child because it's, you know, it's really bad for their self-esteem to feel like, well, I'm the heavy one in the family. Nobody else is. How do you handle situations like that? Or how are how have you heard parents handle situations like that? Yeah, I totally agree. I wouldn't. I wouldn't say that you should single a child out ever. Um, and I and I don't really believe in a diet. So I think it has to just come down to again modeling those healthy eating habits. So just serving healthy food, making it part of of your family, and just um, like very basic stuff. So I think that if someone is concerned about their child's weight. Um, perhaps there's something else going on too, right? So you would always want to check in with your pediatrician. And then the thing with pediatricians, as I'm sure you know, is um, they only get 24 hours of nutrition education, right? Yeah. Unless they opt to get more. Um, and so it's a great first stop, but then maybe they can make a referral to a registered dietitian nutritionist or a feeding expert or someone in that space um, who can help you meal plan and take stock of what your kid is eating and kind of what their habits are. I think that's great. I, I wholeheartedly agree with you. I don't even know if I got 24 hours of nutritional education, you know, because we're, <laughs> we're trained to take care of sick kids. Um, but, you know, and when mm -hmm. it comes to eating, that's somebody else's area of expertise. So I'm very quick to, you know, send kids to other places. Um, when it comes to snacking, because one of the things that I see is that kids snack a lot more 
often than they used to. And I hate to do the well when I was growing up, <laughs> but I'll do it for a minute. You know, we ate three meals a day yeah. and we never thought of eating in between them because the refrigerator was closed. But now it seems that kids graze a lot during the day. And a lot of parents will say, well, it's good for them to have six or eight small meals a day. I don't, I don't really agree with that because I think kids never get hungry and they never get full. So when it comes to snacking, what do you recommend as healthy um, schedules of eating and snacks in between meals? Yeah, I agree. It's a huge problem in the U.S. In other countries, they do sit down to meals and they don't snack a ton. Um, and But if you look at the research, it's a huge uh, consumer trend. So there's tons of healthy snacks on store shelves or upgraded junk food. I mean, it's, it's in demand. Um, but yeah, I would say, so it depends on the kid's age, right? And, and again, I'm not an RDN, um, but I would say have consistent schedules. So breakfast, and then perhaps it depends on the kid's age, if they have a morning snack or an afternoon snack or both. Um, I have heard of parents giving, you know, after dinner snacks, bedtime snacks. I don't particularly agree with that. I don't think mm -hmm. that's necessary because I think that the more snacking that they do, the less they're going to eat at meals. And then that's why we have a lot of picky eaters. Um, so I would just say stay, you know, have a consistent schedule there can be some flexibility built in depending on your day um but you want to really keep uh two hours i'd say it, between a meal and a snack um and there's nothing wrong with telling your kid you know you have to hold off i know it's so hard like you were talking about before it stirs something up in you you feel like i have to provide for my child and they can't go hungry mm -hmm. but really we're teaching them to recognize their hunger and satiety cues mm -hmm. um and it's just so important right because i think that if we don't teach that now we grow up to be adults who are facing obesity and chronic disease. Mm -hmm. um, and so that's that's really important. But, you know, I was talking about this today in a, on my own podcast um, with, with an RDN, and my, my daughters are 10 and 8, and the 10-year-old, they still have snack at school. She's in fourth grade, and, and she, she, she just, she won't eat it. And I said, just forget about it. You don't need it, right. you know? And even the 8-year-old, she has a snack in the morning and then a snack after school or at the babysitter's house, and it's just not... Um, I'm not sure that it's necessary because they eat really well at meals. So maybe one snack would be okay. Yeah, I agree with you. I, I think we, um, we, we over snack our kids. I, I, because I, I do think as parents, we don't want our kids to be uncomfortable. So if our child comes and says, mom, I'm starving. Well, A, they're not starving but you don't really know what's going on. Maybe their stomach's just growling a little bit because they're craving something. But to, to teach kids delayed gratification, you know, you really don't need to eat every two or three hours during the day. As a matter of fact, a lot of babies don't, you know, don't eat that, um, that frequently. Can you give us some tips for healthy snacks? Yes, yes. So I'll, I'll talk to you about what I do in my home. So um, we've done chia seed pudding. Um, I will blend up avocado with some um, cocoa powder, cacao, um, and a little bit of maple syrup, and it makes a delicious chocolate pudding. Um, I also make homemade granola bars. So it's pretty easy. It's just oats, uh, raisins, coconut oil, and peanut butter, and... Um, 
and a little bit of salt and I make a whole batch and it lasts my kids the week. Um, you know, obviously you want to definitely try to focus on fruits and vegetables and again, find ways to make them palatable for kids if you struggle with picky eating. So I love dips. So hummus, beet dip, guacamole, um, bean dip, really anything, even if it's a, a ranch dressing, like I would, I would definitely read labels because a lot of them have added sugar, um, but there's no harm really in serving uh, ranch dressing if, you're, if it means your kid's going to eat vegetables. Um, mm -hmm. We do a lot of uh, baked apples, so I'll just cut up apples, put cinnamon on them, put them in the microwave, and it's absolutely delicious. And then I, I'll add a little bit of almond butter or peanut butter. Um, so things like that. You can do um, like edamame is a great snack or seaweed is a great snack. And then the processed stuff, we, we try to limit it, but there are some brands that I like, like Larabar. I feel like they're a great brand because it's really whole food ingredients. I was going to ask you about those bars. There are so many out there. Yeah. And you know, are they yeah. fundamentally okay for kids? Fundamentally not okay? I don't, I, I, I'll be honest, I never read labels because I eat the same thing over and over. And, um, and I'm a pretty healthy eater. But when it comes to those nutrition bars, what is your recommend? So you like the Lara bar, are there any other bars that you think are good or anything that you think just have too much sugar in them? I would say most of them have too much sugar and not enough protein and fiber. So you really mm -hmm. do have to read labels. Um, I, I do like the kind bars, those, but you have to, again, read labels because they just differ. So some of the bars are good. Some of them are very high in sugar. Same thing with Larabar. Um, but I, I think it also comes back to, do we want our kids eating out of packages all the time? Do we mm -hmm. want to raise kids who think that's food and, you know, that's a snack? So... I, again, I think it needs to be, the focus needs to be on whole real foods, so mm -hmm. fruits and vegetables. Um, but the but sometimes we need processed snacks, kind of, you know, if we're um, out and about or, um, you know, sending, when I send my kids to the babysitters, it's just a lot easier sometimes to just pack a, a processed snack. Oh, yeah, yeah. And I, and I think it's about moderation, too. I mean, I don't want mothers out there beating themselves up because... Their kids eat goldfish, you know, periodically because it's just hard. I mean, you're, you're just kind of doing the best you can. Um, we don't have much time yeah. left. Talk to me about the different milks, oat milk, almond milk, dairy milk. Um, what is the basic difference between them all? So I think that when I have when I've looked at this, it comes down to varying amounts of protein, sugar, um, things like that. So yeah, this is a controversial topic, right? There are people who think that cow's milk isn't really what we should be feeding our kids. I don't know how you feel about that. Um, but yeah, there's so many different milks now. Uh, we, you know, we do almond milk a lot. I, I do subscribe to the <laughs> thought that, uh, dairy can be inflammatory. Um, so we do tend to do a lot more almond milk, but you mm -hmm. have to compare brands. Also, a lot of them just put a lot of artificial stuff in their milks, even the almond milk. So I do spend a lot of time comparing brands and looking at ingredients and things like that. What brands of almond milk do you like? Silk? I mean, we uh, drink Caliphia a lot Farms. of that. Is that okay? Yeah. 
We do that sometimes only because um, my daughter has a nut allergy, mm. and but she she's okay with almond milk. Um, but and I know that their brand doesn't cross contaminate. Okay. But um, I personally like Califia Farms. Oh, I like their products a lot. Okay. You know, I think that, you know, again, it's moderation. I do know that kids can get in trouble by drinking too much milk. And I do think that we feel our kids need more milk than they do. Um, I think they need some dairy. But I do like the idea of almond milk because the calcium and I think, you know, it's, it's good for kids. I just think sort of mixing things up. You know, I have seen kids get into a lot of trouble drinking too much goat milk because goat milk doesn't have enough folic acid and um, B12 in it. But, you know, again, I, I, um, I think a lot in moderation, but I just, but I have seen kids get into too much trouble drinking too much milk. The other thing with milk is it's very filling. So, you know, if they drink an eight ounce glass of milk before dinner, they're not going to eat their broccoli. You know, they're, they're just not as hungry. So I think That's right. um, parents need to say, you know, one of the things that I hear a lot is that, you know, people say, well, I can't afford to feed my kids fruits and veggies because it's too expensive. What do you say to those people? Um, that's valid, right? Especially now we're facing high rates of food insecurity in this country. We always were, but now due to COVID. So that's legitimate. Um, I, I think that sometimes you can save money uh, eating local. So farmers markets or there are some grocery stores that provide local produce. Um, additionally, you know, canned vegetables, they're not terrible. <laughs> I think the taste isn't that great, but it's definitely a way to save money and still get that nutrition. And then frozen vegetables because they're, you know, frozen at the peak freshness. So um, that's always a great option. Um, yeah. That's great. You know, frozen veggies are great. When you were talking about canned veggies, I, I thought of canned peas. Who eats canned peas? <laughs> but anyway, I, I also think that many times when you're eating junk food or chips and soda pop, you eat more of it, which means you, because you crave the sugar and the salt, which means you spend more. And I'm wondering if, again, I've never studied, mm -hmm. but if you take the same amount of money and you spend it on, you know, vegetables and fruits versus chips and Coke, um, if you really kind of wouldn't even come out ahead with veggies because you don't, you know, if you eat a plate of broccoli, you, you usually don't want another. <laughs> so, cause, cause you don't have that salt and sugar, right. that, that craving that just kind of sets up. So, um, I would love to see if somebody would study that because that, that argument has always intrigued me, um, you know, uh, about the expense yeah. and I, and I do think it's right, but, um, but I, but I do think there is a way you kind of can get around it because I do think frozen veggies, which tend to be less expensive than fresh, um, could be a, a really good way to mm -hmm. go. You have a lot of great tips. You have a great podcast of your own. If anybody wants more information on the work that you do, where can they find you? Yeah, thank you. So julierevelant.com and my podcast is called Food Issues and it's available on Apple Podcast or your favorite podcasting site. Awesome. Julie Revelant, Food Issues, great podcast. Thanks so much. It's been a lot of fun. Thank you so much for having me.
I want to thank my guest, Julie Revelant, for joining me on the show today. To find out more about Julie, go to julierevelant, R-E-V-E-L-A-N-T.com. That's julierevelant.com. Be sure to follow her on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Just search for Julie Revelant in your internet browser. Points to ponder. One, establish good eating habits early on. Limit snacks. You know, kids don't really need snacks. We give them snacks because we're afraid they're hungry all the time. Being hungry is okay. If you do give them a snack, make sure they're not too carb sugar heavy. Pick fruits, pretzels, popcorn, veggies with rants, peanut butter and apples. Be creative. Avoid granola bars, bagels, chips, soda pop, and so on. Kids adapt to good eating habits much easier than we do. Two, eat colors. Make a game out of eating. Ask your kids to find as many colors to eat every day they can. Have them go to the grocery store with you and help them pick out a variety of colors. Orange carrots, red apples, green beans, purple grapes. And when you're home, you eat those colors and your kids will too. Three, eat together, please. When families eat together, they take longer to eat. And this helps your child eat normal amounts of food. Plus, it's important to talk about the day, to let kids know that you want to be with them. It allows kids to see how you eat so that you can model healthy eating habits. And remember, if you model good eating habits, your kids are much more likely to eat well. Let's recap my three points to ponder. Establish good eating habits early on. Two, eat colors. Three, eat together. And remember, friends, check out my PGK community. Jump in, join the conversation. You'll love it. So until next time, parents, always remember that great kids are raised, not born. Hey, this is Mike, producer of Dr. Meeker's Parenting Great Kids podcast. At the end of our podcast, do you wonder, okay, how do I apply this to my life? to my kids. Dr. Meg keeps these discussions going in our brand new Parenting Great Kids community. She gives you answers to issues and clear steps to take to resolve them. Imagine having the ability to ask Dr. Meeker a question about your issues with your kids. Well, now you can. We've created a new Parenting Great Kids community where Dr. Meg answers readers' questions, posts videos on topics, adds a new parenting course monthly, and goes live with you once a month. Don't wrestle with your problems alone. Let Dr. Meg help you. Join us in the new PGK community. For more information, go to meekerparenting.com and look for the PGK community tabs.